So we read a Ben Horowitz book at the very beginning, Hard Thing About Hard Things. And, you know, he says explicitly in that book, like, you don't run a business with two people. <laughs> you guys are reading it together. You pause, look at each other after that sentence. Hey, pronouncers, welcome back to the show. Excited to have you back. Got an awesome guest. But real quick, pronouncers conf, it's coming up. Print Hustlers, November 4th, 5th, and 6th. Newport Beach, California. Bruce, are you taking anyone surfing? No? Actually, no. if anybody Maybe. wants to go, I got a uh, bunch of boards. First day, first day Liquid Graphics, coolest shop in the country uh, for a Printavo Inksoft User Summit. Day two, awesome speakers. I think automation tech is the theme. Day three, Bella Canvas. So like, you guys are raising the bar. It's going to be incredible. Get your tickets. It's going to sell out. And it's my birthday weekend, so I better see you there. So Ferry's going to be blacked out. No. I just, it's the best, <laughs> it's the best weekend of the year. I love that print hustlers is my birthday. It's, it's like, I get to see all y'all. So, um, all right, Bruce. So a couple ads, um, and then an awesome guest, our, uh, guest today, two brothers who took over a family business and what they're doing to grow things like outbound acquiring other companies and just how they're thinking about it. Honestly, I think these are some of the best just because when you come from outside the business, you have such a fresh view from when, if you're, you're building it up, you get kind of jaded over time and you want to be that person doing, doing, doing. So really cool to hear their perspective. But first, GraphX Source. If you need a solution to improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department, you already know GraphX offers industry-leading outsourcing options for your shop. And what's really cool is they're actually a part of your team. So they're plugging into your shop management platform. They're handling SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, digitizing, and customer service. They've been doing it for over 30 years as well. And be sure, mention the Printavo pod that sent you over, and they'll give you half off your first vector SEP or digitized order. Bruce, have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy? Well, he's got 900 and some followers. Um, and if you need ink supplies or a daddy, Multicraft Screen Printing and Digital Supplies for over 50 years has been providing you with top brands at competitive prices. If you mention the Printavo pod, you'll get 10% off your first order. And DM Multicraft underscore daddy right now. He gives away a case of free PMI tape every single week. So thanks so much to the team at Multicraft. We appreciate you. Thanks, Dave. And you're doing great on Instagram. EasyWay works with over 100 plus distributors all over the US, but more importantly, they're a partner in your success. They can help with how-tos, best practices, just general questions. They're there to help you guys in Reclaim. And you know you shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. That's why their line of environmentally conscious chemicals gets the job done faster, more efficiently, and costs you a fraction of the cost per screen. Check them out, EasyWay. Thank you guys so much for supporting. Last but not least, Supercolor is the world's best heat transfer. It's made for screen printers by screen printers. And they truly understand the pressures and expectations of running a screen printing shop. And so they really pride themselves on being super fast and super easy. They've got this incredible new, new next gen transfer that's running live now. It's uh, really great, really quick and easy to peel and work with. And um, honestly, their support team, though, the support team is incredible. I mean, they you email them, you have an issue, they respond super quickly, they take care of things. So they are there. They're another partner in your growth. Make sure to mention Printavo, Printavo 1.5, and that gives you 15% off your order. 
All right, let's jump into the episode. All right, we are live here. What are you working on? What are you writing down? Me? Uh, yeah. Next for our call. <laughs> this is me. Ooh. This is me preparing. Uh, oftentimes, you get super excited about stuff like this, like business strategy, being in the daily, uh, the daily mixings of the machine, like actually setting aside the time to do all the prep work we wanted to do. Didn't quite happen. So. <laughs> That's okay, because uh, Jackson, you said you were out sick last week. You feel better though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we had there were there have been so many people out sick last week. Like we had a back, batch of COVID come through or something like that. Yeah, yeah I woke up on Friday morning. I woke up on Friday morning with a fever, and I was like, I haven't had a fever since like sixth grade. This is weird. But um, so we what did we get linked up through what Kevin Baumgart? I think correct. Yeah, yeah. All right. So he reached out to Jackson. Yeah, we listen to one of his podcasts with you all. Uh, we'll we'll include me in, and yeah, a lot of relevancy, similar similar setup for us as far as like hunter gather or what our inside sales do versus needing that outside presence. Um, we listen to that podcast; it's awesome. I reached out to Kevin, kind of give us give him a little bit of context, a little bit of background. Then we worked with him um, for a session, and then yeah, post then post post that work he connected us with you all. Yeah. It was that you guys wanted to build an outbound arm for sales or yes. inbound as well. So we have per, per most shops, it's like, especially most shops that you described or work with. We receive orders traditionally. We've been around for 43 years, 44 years. So we have a pretty kind of healthy, organic network of customers that's local and regional. So most of what we do every day is just receiving orders and, um, what Will and I wanted to do kind of like per bigger strategy goals that we've set up, you know, recognize, okay, well, we've got three to five year goals. We've got seven to 10 year goals. You know, we cannot achieve those goals unless we build a sales system. So that means, you know, we've worked with a couple outside sales reps before, um, but without a lot of training, without a lot of experience, it was hard for us to figure out how do you build a sales machine where you can just basically turn up a, turn a knob, get more, get more sales versus, um, trying to build something from the ground up. So yeah, both outside reaching out proactively, building out our leads system. Uh, you know, but the, the full, you know, work with Kevin, it's like the full works, right? Like how are you, how are you interacting your customers with your inbound new leads, inbound old, you know, old accounts, house accounts. So it ended up being like the full works, but our intention was, Okay, we've got goals of growth. In order to do that, we have to break out of the the small town town printer, small city printer, you know, regional printer. We have to break that mold and kind of be able to expand further. I think it's really interesting, and I work with Kevin really closely, and we just talk about how like we take this industry for granted that we just get so much inbound work. Like, what if we actually had to go knock on doors? He's like, wait, what? He he's like, wait. That. He's like, what? You guys are just like spoiled. Like, you guys don't have to work for it compared <laughs> to. Are. But I think um, I had a funny. Call, I had a funny comment with him. I was like, Kevin, come on. Between you and me, like, people don't cold call anymore, right? Like that is <laughs> antiquated. People don't do that. And he's like, dude. All the all the time. That is that is one of the only ways you can grow business. You guys are second generation, so you took over like uh, Blue Ridge, as I was reading, like forty four years in business, um, and then you guys took it over almost eight years ago. Tell us about the transition, family business. I think second generation. I bought into a print shop, and so my business partner's twice my age, and 
I think those are really fascinating. Like, tell us about that transition. Why'd you guys decide to do it? Things like that. Sure. Uh, so yeah, family business. Our dad started the business, um, graduated from college with an art history degree, realized he wasn't going to work in like, you know, a museum or anything like that at the time failed as a waiter and, you know, took, you know, like many people here took a community college class on screen printing, you know, this is late seventies, really liked it, had an artist friend. And, um, back then he posted an ad in the back of like this organic, uh, gardening magazine, you know, with this big kind of sunflower, you know, garden organically, garden naturally design. And, you know, the mail orders started flooding in. He's like, Oh, okay. There's a business here. Um, literally, you know, curing the shirts in like the, the, the oven in this, in the art studio, you know, that, that whole thing. And so, so started it. Um, so we grew up, we grew up around screen printing our entire lives. Um, you know, spent summers in high school, uh, working in the print shop, you know, from reclaim screens all the way up to like, you know, loading, loaded, loading trucks and, and, and semis in our bigger days, um, to, um, both of us leaving. I went off, was, was a, uh, public school teacher for a little while. Jackson, he was in, uh, uh, worked in a vocational rehab place and, um, came back because like, um, you know, Stephen, as you said, it is, it is, it is a unique opportunity. Here's this family business. You know, we both, we both liked it, like the art, like the production side of it. And so, um, I realized, uh, maybe I should give it a chance because our dad's not going to be around doing it forever. And so, you know, here's this, here's this ready to go business or this not ready to go, but here's this, this thriving business. And so came back about, I guess, let's see here, 13 years ago or so, and um, started like more on the office side of, uh, you know, sales and, and work our way through that. And about eight years ago, um, we took him, we took our, our father, John, out to Long Beach. And after the end of the trade show, we, <laughs> we fired him. We told him that he was not allowed to come into the office anymore. He needed to like, you know, kind of like take a step back. And he was very excited about that. Um, Totally cool with it. And, you know, at that point he kind of became our consultant. He would come in and hang out and him and Jackson shared an office. So they would like, you know, talk shop for 20% of the time and, you know, whatever else they were talking, you know, the other 80. And, um, and that was the beginning of us, um, taking over. Uh, we had a general manager at the time shortly after he, he left the company, uh, moved out of the area. And so then we were really kind of, a you know, both feet in the water kind of deal. Um, uh, learning, learning through the school of hard knocks, you know, running this, this, uh, business where we grew up around a lot of these employees, you know, we worked with them around them for them, you know, again, in high school, college days. And so now we're the ones running the show and, and really kind of, you know, uh, learning the hard way of, you know, reinventing the wheel, so to speak, and like business management, and, you know, and, uh, and operations and sales and the whole nine yards. And so, uh, yep, that was eight years ago. And we have thankfully survived to this day. So, okay. You'd like highlighted there, like a point that I thought was like, we fired our dad. <laughs> uh, I hear of so many shops that are like, I'm going to try to pass it off to my kids. I don't know if my kids want it. And there's, what I feel like is it's sometimes like maybe the kids don't know if they want it or not. Uh, they're definitely capable of it, but like the parents aren't ready to let go. Right. Like generational gaps. When you said like you fired your dad and he was totally cool with it. Did he really take a 180 approach to say like, all right, boys, like 
I'm literally going to step away? Or was there some hard times where he's like, yeah, but you should probably do it like this or mm, like, you know, like, was it like Orange County Chopper, like presses throwing against the wall and like, or was it, was it pretty, pretty clean? Uh, he phased out over a year. And after that year of, of kind of like uh, moderate coming into work, I mean, he was organically going that direction anyway, you know, instead of coming in five days a week, coming in four days a week and three days a week. And we took that year to kind of, he had a big uh, retirement party, you know, gave him some closure, set a date, gave him some closure. So no, there was no friction. And like, you know, we have, we have a, we have a unique situation in that like, there's a lot of family kicking around. I work, we work together. Uh, we work with our father. We have a really good relationship to the point of where there's not a ton of, we've never just had that much friction. Um, but actually one uh, one thing you just said that I would circle back to you when it came to the second generation and like considering talking to shop owners and whether a kid wants it and they're definitely capable of it. One of the, one of the things I, I thought that was interesting is um, in order to know whether you're capable of running a shop, right? Like the vetting period is, I would say uh, more than a year, you know, I, I wouldn't say I had resentment, but I was, the friction, the frustration of like learning how to manage without training, being put in that position because I was family or no, they didn't put me in that position, having that opportunity because I was family. Um, in one sense, like that's totally unfair. Like this dude, you know, I was 23 or something. Um, yeah, this 23 year old should not come in and start functioning as a general manager above, you know, when people that have been there for 20 years. So like the, the social dynamics was really interesting um, and really challenging. I had that big time. My press ops were like, who's this? Yeah. I mean, my press ops, like, they're just like, who's this freaking kid? What's he doing? You know, um, it was so hard. to It was so hard to earn the respect. It's ages, right? Like, that's yeah. Um, so hard to earn the respect. And, and those employees, like, it just didn't end up working out because of that, like, eternal, like, this isn't fair friction. Have you had employees then leave because they don't like the generational changes? Or has it been a pretty because it seems like you guys run a pretty happy sound business? Um, did that? I mean, do I think <clears throat> we didn't have immediate disruption? Uh, no. Again, he and I have both been in the mix. So we were fortunate there. Do I think that 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 was a root cause of people eventually leaving? Certainly some people. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, as many other guests and you all have pointed out, COVID was also a natural uh, kind of break and like a reset. So so um, certainly when we came back, we were a lot smaller and we had some people that did not. Uh, they were doing fine in, in some ways and some people we couldn't bring back for just because of expense and some uh, wasn't the right cultural fit. And so that also kind of played a part in um, in, in, you know, that was like the, you know, the second or the third reset for the company. So, you know, some of those questions were answered because of COVID. Some we, we've had a little bit of natural attrition over the years, uh, some legacy employees. But um, otherwise, uh, we're still kind of, you know, us and, 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 and many long term employees, we're all kind of grinding it out together because, you know, really, even when we butt heads and sometimes we butt heads a lot, um, you know, they uh, I believe that you know these employees they they care a lot about the business just because of what they have what they have participated in over the last 10 15 20 years you know I mean we got 
two employees going on like 27 years now, right? We got a, wow. Like there's people who've been here a long time. I mean, legacy, right? And they, they, they know the business and they do well and they can still, you know, outprint almost anybody, maybe anybody in the building, right? So, um, so we have those kinds of employees and, and so they have their, their, their work ethic has, uh, you know, allowed us to say, okay, even though we don't always agree, like we're all in this together. You were talking a little bit, we didn't get into details, but you're talking about acquiring other shops. That's interesting. I also would like to go a little bit deeper now onto sales outbound. Cause I think sounds great, hard to execute. Um, and just to understand like progress there. So maybe like, maybe we're just, let's just go all growth in. So, uh, maybe first let, let's wrap up the outbound. Cause I think Kevin awesome, super sharp. He's got the principles and everything to execute. And then now it's like on you guys to actually do it. And we're doing it as a company now. I don't know if Farrakh, if you guys have, have really tried it, but it's a different muscle. It's like going to the gym and it's like, you've only done, you know, maybe upper body forever. <laughs> and now it's like, all right, now you need to do cardio or something or, or, you know, something that's a lot harder that you've never actually done. You never ran like, uh, Stephen and Matt Marcotte yesterday. After Kevin starts working with you, now you actually have to put in the work to like do it. Yeah. So how, what happened? Yeah. What happened? How, how did that go? Oh, uh, well, it's a great question. It's also, I mean, we concluded our work with Kevin uh, two weeks ago. It is fresh. Yes. I mean, I think what he, what we, you know, first what we learned was, okay, these are your traditional roles within sales, your SDR, your account management, your CSR. You know, who on your team is going to function in those roles or those seats? So first step was, okay, we have traditional like inbound account executives. Um, on staff, we had one person that was like naturally a hunter, came from like car sales, just to the core kind of a salesman. So we were able to look at our staff and basically say, all right, I can do outbound work. One of our employees can do outbound work. We are putting in, we're putting the seats of, you know, outbound. But the problem is, uh, the first piece to solve is like, we have a crazy amount of leads because of we're using one of the, one of the resources we're using, like a lead generation, uh, pay to play, you know, resource, which is awesome. So solve problem number one. I mean, those are marketing qualified leads, not sales qualified leads. So like, you know, you can, have to figure out the quality of them. We have a huge amount of leads. So first step was immediately like, okay, well, we have people to process leads as soon as they come to us. Who's going to reach out and do the SDR work? So, um, which I think, uh, you know, I don't know what Kevin would say. My, my assumption would be 80% of sales systems fail nowadays at the SDR level. And, and so j just so everyone knows, SDR sales development representative, bottom of the totem pole, this person is taking leads and literally setting up appointments. Like they're the appointment setter saying, hey, this is Blue Ridge. Are you guys interested in merch? You are great. Let's set you up for an appointment. Is that kind of, am I, am I picking up what you're throwing down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you know, 15 years ago, they would have been called cold callers. Nowadays, more nuanced. They can do more than cold calling. Like we operate a pretty robust email marketing campaign. There's huge pros and cons to that. Um, I know like a, a gentleman you had a couple weeks ago, kind of that contract shop out of Reno, he mentioned like he's really careful and does 20 or 30 emails a month. Like 
emailing is real. The more meticulous and focused you get with it, the better effectiveness. Um, so you're, you're kind of like having to thread the needle. Okay, well, if I want to generate hundreds of leads or thousands of leads because I want to double our company, you know, you can't actually be that meticulous. You've just got to throw some volume somewhere. So <clears throat> yeah, SDR definitely involves a lot of meeting setting, right? Which is new concept for our industry. Now, I got a buddy in like tech sales. He, he knew when he's making a, when he's making a call, when he's making an email, his goal is set a meeting. Like, that is the goal of his call. In screen printing, it's like, what's the goal of your call? Like, I'm going to sell a shirt immediately on the phone. I'm going to try to sell a hundred shirts. And that's just not really like modern sales techniques. You are trying to build these relationships that can be long lasting and kind of build an account versus I'm just going to go in there and try to get an order for 50 shirts right now, or hundred shirts. So yeah, SDR for us is, and we're, and especially in our industry for screen printing, I think if you can't solve the SDR puzzle, um, kind of like the sales, all the other sales processes on the back end, they're, they're, they're not going to get the chance to execute. So like the really uncomfortable question of like, who is going to pick up the phone? As you said, lowest person on the totem pole, like who is going to do that grind? Who's going to pick up the phone and make those phone calls? And as I was talking to Kevin about it, I was like, well, can't we just, can't we just make everybody on staff pick up the phone and like turn into cold callers? And he's basically like, yeah, that's just not a realistic expectation expectation. Somebody who's going to come in and like be an active SDR, um, the turnover rate for SDRs is it's brutal, right? Like they're, they're doing it for a year. Um, like that's a good amount of time to do it to, to, to have somebody in that SDR seat. So for us, I mean, that's like literally where we are right now. We know the problem. We have the system. You know, I can muscle through as an SDR, um, when I remember to do my SDR work, right? But like Bruce, as you were saying, these are new muscles. So the um, Kevin's brilliant because he just like total package. He just gives you know he will give you all of the answers. Um, like this. So have you hired that role, or that's what you're looking for now? We have two people functioning in that role: me and then one person on site. But we're basically what we're basically saying is um, <clears throat> we almost made the decision to hire immediately. So we're just gonna put some resources to it. We're going to put some money to it. We're going to, we got a recommendation for somebody that can just like train up an SDR for you immediately, just total package, you know, costs a lot, but, um, we didn't take that role. We didn't take that option yet. We're going to try to do it internally. Uh, but you know, that's, it's like the clock's ticking kind of thing. Proof of concept, you know, Will and I are going to have to have open and honest, tough conversation. If, we can't get the SDR piece off the ground because it's, it's crucial. And talking about scalability, like if we're trying to double business, double our business, um, you know, in five years, like it's not just one SDR that we have to get functioning correctly. There's going to be multiple people sitting in that seat. So short story is hopefully will be a success story in a couple months. <laughs> All right, real quick. I got to tell you something. This is really interesting and here's why. We formed a company called Inktava. You may have heard of it, but it has three different brands right now. Printavo, 
Inksoft and Graphics. So we're all sister companies now, a big happy family. What we're able to do is Printavo is managing your shop management and workflow organization. Inksoft can run your website and handle online stores at scale. So running multiple different stores for fundraisers, schools, um, company stores, and everything in between. And Graphics Flow is a brand new product to be able to help reduce all the back and forth with art. So it has a huge art library that you can put on your website so customers can see and pluck what they want. Plus, you can also be able to collect different ideas and send them to customers to approve as well. Really, really cool. Plus, in-app editing. It's like Canva, but specifically for shops. All right, check it out. All those brands are on inktavo.com. That's inktavo.com. All right, thanks. Yeah, so this is really interesting. Okay, so print shops, when they want to build out an outbound sales team, they have this expectation that the person that's doing inbound is magically going to turn to outbound. (laughs) Like, hey, person, all these leads that were coming to you, half your day you have to now get new leads and go outbound. So like... That doesn't work. That's a myth. The person that does outbound needs to be like the outbound department needs to be the outbound department. I think it's also very intelligent and there's a lot of wisdom behind a sales development rep setting meetings is not the person closing the shirt order. Like two separate functions. So if you have a really talented salesperson that can get on the phone with anyone and that can sell apparel, whatever, get them into Gildens, get them into this, get them into that. All you have to do is find someone in front of them to set up opportunities and appointments. And that person's job stops once the customer says, yeah, I'm interested. Right. And so like for us, we've been having this struggle, too, where the account managers are so inundated with leads and inbound and this. They never do their outbound work because they have no one filling up their tank. Right. But if you think about that role, let's just say what this role would be. It's an entry level sales role. So we're talking forty to seventy thousand dollars a year. I don't know. So we're talking five to six thousand dollars per month. If they can, if they can set, if they can cold call a thousand people a month and set up, I don't know, thirty or forty orders like that get closed, they're going to pay themselves off exponentially, right? Like so, you're spending five, six grand on that employee, and you're hoping that that role will generate a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a month. But yet shops are very, like, I can't just hire someone, but then they can go and buy a press for $100,000. So, like, it's very weird that we don't see this obvious muscle in our space. Like, we struggle with this, too. Same exact thing, right? Have you, I don't, I don't know, I've just kind of had this, like, eye-opening experience in the last month about, as, like, about these sales development roles because, like, we just don't focus on them. I don't know. Well, that's where, you know, I mean, so... I, I'm on the operations side. Jackson is on the, the marketing and sales side. That's kind of how we have, we've split internal roles over the years um, in terms of the day-to-day type um, functions. And, but I sat in on a lot of the calls because um, I also sit in, I also sit in a, in a integrator seat for our company. And so I just wanted to hear this, uh, you know, what this, what this consultant was going through. And the thing that uh, really appealed to me is that, you know, we kind of, we were alluding to it. Like when we took over Blue Ridge Graphics, you know, we were really kind of like school of hard knocks, like reinventing the wheel, like just system after system after system. We felt like we had to like build from like the ground up. And eventually we just really kind of like ran into walls. Like, you know, this is, uh, you, you just can't do this all the time. 
So Kevin offers a system. He offered, you know, this, this set sale system. And so now we have the pieces, Bruce, and, you know, kind of what you were saying is like, are we going to be able to execute? Well, now we have the framework and right. And Stephen, what you just said is right. We recognize that this SDR person, like that is like, that's like almost like the missing link to like, you know, linking an outside person to an inside person. And kind of like that transition is who's going to feel, feed the outside person. It's not the inside. So it's got to be someone else like this SDR, you know? And, and so if you have a, uh, if you can commit to it, which is why we almost jumped on right, right, right away to like, you know, an SDR, um, you know, onboarding company here, we're going to give you the SDR. They're going to be trained up. Here's how it goes. You know, another Kevin recommendation. I mean, I'd have to say it's almost still on the table because uh, it's kind of, it's own, you know, the SDR, maybe they're the linchpin. How much does something like that cost? I know like Kevin's talked to us about it a little bit, like appointment setting services and like lead generating what is an investment like that yeah i think there's two types there's two products they have um they have the staffing product and then they have like the management product so they will the light version is they will find somebody per your qualifications they will vet them for you as in like they if you need them they need to be local they can be local if not it doesn't matter so they'll find the individual um they will train the individual. So they will put them through a couple weeks of boot camp, train them on how to sales, how to sell. Like, and these are probably not like, they're not the greenest of green. Like there's going to be a little bit of, of experience. So expectations are obviously super clear with who, you're, who they're hiring. Um, they train them and then they deliver them to you and they're your employee. So like end of, end of contract, end of deal, you know, under, not under five grand, more than five grand, less than 10 grand for that product. Um, but you pay a one-time fee. That's a one-time fee. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if that works, that's Dude. kind of a steal. That, I, I I, just said, because the training and finding can take a long time. If you're local to us. It's way more expensive. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. Gotcha. Uh, oh, interesting. Why? Like three X, two X. The other product they offer is like, they'll keep them on their staff. They will keep them as employees. Obviously, it's a lot more. So, a lot like more. a contract role. But Co what if what if they're for you local? What, how much? How much more was that? It was like three times more, two times more. The the, the pain for the onboarding. Or the, no, the that player. wasn't. Yeah, you don't have to pay more for them to track down a local person. I mean, that's not like an added. Oh, okay. They, you know, but it's just in a lot of industries, it does not matter if this person's in Louisiana or. Whatever. But I, I think the point here is okay. Say it was ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. Like, if it actually works, you won't blink. I know. Right. Yeah. Like if it, and so we, we use some tools, like we use support shepherd.com that finds us VAs overseas and you pay a one-time finders fee and they've got a 30 day money back guarantee. And now we're just like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And we're scaling out our ops team. Uh, and so like, I look at it and say, if you're going to hire someone as an SDR, you might as well pay the premium to get white glove service yeah. Because you know that the chances of sticking are better. Because like, say they work for you, say you go out and you're cheap and you hire someone by yourself and you try to train them yourself yeah. and it takes two months of your time and then they quit after six yeah. months. Well, you just burn thirty or $40,000 right there, right? Yeah. Like your time, their time. So that's, I don't know. I, that's an interesting yeah. premise. Like, okay, so me, Will, uh, you know, we have not formal sales background. So the possibility of us not having that formal training, going out successfully vetting, successfully hiring, successfully delivering expectations, 
you know, the likelihood of that compared to, and like how much money are we going to save compared to, yeah, the white glove where somebody's just going to and when you, when you're interviewing salespeople, they're such good interviewers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> I've been hey, raise your hand if you've been conned. Yeah, My hands up high. Uh, oh yeah, like yeah, I suck at interviewing salespeople. <laughs> yeah, I think, I'm, uh, right I think I'm like three for six. <laughs> hey, hey, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, mean, it may not be. It may not be bad. You know what's relative though? Here's what's interesting. Okay, guess what a referral uh, fee is for an engineer that includes no training. What percentage? Oh, percentage? A yeah. referral fee? What? Yeah, yeah. So like the SDR, maybe that's like... 30%. The, the, uh, let's call it, that's like 10%, a little bit less. Yeah, I mean, it's close to that. It's between 20 to 30%. Yeah. And so, these salaries are, you know, from 100 to 200 or so, right? Um, on the higher end. So but Bru- significant. Oh. So Bruce, at the peak of like... Um, when it was impossible to hire engineers, you were essentially paying almost a entry level salary to try to headhunt the best engineers, right? Like, I mean, you know, the thing that I that I ran into was my first reaction was knee jerk, hell no, right? Like, it's so much money up front. And what's the guarantee? And what happens, you know, if if it doesn't work out after six months? Because normally they give you a ninety day guarantee. What happens, though, is that, A, yes, the market was very difficult to find good people, which I think for any roles, it's still very hard to find, you know, that that top 10% of of a quality of a team member. And then also, um, you get kind of burnt out. Like, it just, it's such a grind to constantly be interviewing and phone screening and interviewing again and hiring and then it doesn't work maybe hopefully it does and then you go back again that i was like wow we just really need a good pipeline of folks and it's like ideally i can hire someone like an hr person that can recruit and do this um of which i tried that (laughs) i got desperate and hired the wrong person again but uh, that premium payment for them was sort of like hiring the contract HR person. And so that's why I just said, you know what? I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna burn out if I keep, you know, trying to do this over and over. So anyway, I just found it that it's interesting that it's, it's a little relative. Hey, I want to, I want to pivot for a second. Like the two of you are essentially co-owners and I'm curious, I like saw something in our notes that said like traction is a Blackberry pinnacle is an iPhone. And then yeah. there was, there was some stuff about, uh, you guys as, as co-owners and making decisions and financial decisions and paying yourself. Like, uh, where do we start there? I have no idea, but how, how is, how is running a company together and being related? Like, and talking about money and stuff, we want like the, the, the dirt. I mean, I'll just run an intro, which was like when we first started um, managing, yeah, not a lot of training and how to be a manager because that's hard to do, um, especially if it's like family business. How do you like actually train somebody to be the manager? Um, we didn't bootstrap it, right? It was just like functioning and we just stepped in. So we read a Ben Horowitz book at the very beginning, Hard Thing About Hard Things. And, you know, he says explicitly in that book, like, you don't run a business with two people. <laughs> you guys are reading it together. You pause, look at each other after that sentence. That's what we know. And like I said at the beginning or whatever, a couple minutes ago, we have a unique situation. Like our family is strong and it's super grateful for that. Um, 
we basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. We looked at each other in a, in a sense and we're basically like, we're going to do it the hard way, even though it's not the smart way, because I'd rather work with my brother than not. And, um, it was a battle worth fighting. So I think it was, it took a long time for us to, um, separate ourselves enough responsibility wise. Uh, and, and that probably hasn't, didn't really start to get a lot of traction until maybe three or four years ago. I don't know where you would say timeline when we had enough experience that we could explain to the company, this is Will's seat, this is Jackson's seat. Um, but it was, yeah, brutal. I mean, many people left because I'm sure because of that, I mean, we have a good turnover, but I'm sure many of the people that left had, you know, for sure, top down issue, right? Like it was because there's not a, there's not, there's not a, a aligned strategy or vision at the top. You know, they go to me because I'm a pushover. They don't go to him because he's harder. Like there's a lot of, you know, family run business. Like, so it has family dynamics. I'm going to go to the night. Who's here. older between the two of you? Me. So like, did you guys ever think about naming like a CEO and like a not like second in command? Like, yeah, we, we did. So we did it first and you know, I'm kind of like, so we just went off, just finished up with Kevin and talking about like that whole kind of like that structure, that system that he's offering. And, you know, at the beginning we kind of mentioned, you know, kind of like we're just trying to build everything from the ground up. Like we tried to build our own, like, uh, you know, um, performance evaluation, like system, like, well, we're not going to meet quarterly with employees because <laughs> why meet quarterly when you could meet three times a year? So we're going to have like these trimesters of like, you know, meeting groups. Why? Cause we had no clue as to what we were doing. Um, but <laughs> But eventually what we kind of decided over the years is, or kind of realized over the years is, and that kind of goes back to kind of traction and pinnacle and things like that. There are these systems out here. And so really our goal should not be to reinvent every wheel out there. Like we talk about burnout. I mean, hard to, hard to manage with each other. Yes. Um, as Jackson said, thankfully we, you know, it is family first and um, you know uh, we've picked up, you know, watching our father in the business, right? He was, he's a pretty low key kind of laid back kind of person. And so most of our business decisions kind of maybe have a little bit of, of that, of that flavor, uh, in it, in, in terms of how we, how we, how we, uh, ourselves kind of work with each other. But the hard thing was, is that we didn't have a system when we first started. So it was like, a, like you just said, it was like going to mom or going to dad, like who's going to give you the answer. Right. And like, that is what that is one of the things that almost tore apart our company there for a while. We've had a few types of those events along the along the way, but that was one is the first one. Yeah. We didn't have a system. And so like, you know, people would almost like lose their minds because I would tell them one thing and be like, Jackson just told me this. He was on the floor not five minutes ago. He told me to do the exact opposite. Oh. <laughs> there was no system. So um that's kind of, I mean, it was almost, uh, you know, by necessity, by, by almost like, uh, I guess it was, I guess it was by recommendation. We, we were, we were, um, uh, talking with Mark Coudre at the time, uh, you know, big, big industry guy and, you know, certainly a, a, a guru of our industry. And he was the one who pointed out traction to us, which is kind of what began that idea of, we don't have to make this system. There's a system out there. Let's, let's apply ourselves to it. And so that we can focus on other things, i.e. the running of the business or the people or the product. It's not the actual system creation. 
we 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 talk about traction a lot here, but you guys picked Pinnacle, which I hadn't heard of. Why why Pinnacle? Mm. Yeah, well, um, also this ties into like the SDR conversation, only in the sense of like you pay to play. Like the it takes it's an investment to get an SDR. It's an investment to do one of these systems or to be trained in one of these systems. Um, and we worked with we worked in traction for a little while and we worked with consultants for a little while. And again, you know, Mark Dre's like a brilliant guy, really introduced the concept of this is why you pay top dollar for people or for training. Um, so that you don't have to recreate it yourself. So had a great experience with traction. Will definitely has like the uh, always learning. We both have liberal arts backgrounds. So he delved into traction a lot, um, pretty deep. But what, what we kind of in that experience, we just coincidentally bumped into a traction consultant who said, Hey guys, uh, not a big deal. I actually am not a traction consultant anymore. I'm a pinnacle consultant. <laughs> he said, oh, okay, what's, what's that? And the you know short story is pinnacle would be the next iteration of traction. So, you know, going back to the source material, you have like Vern Harnish, um, Gino, I believe he was like a student of Vern's. used a lot. Vern Harnish was scaling up. I mean, this is like a pivotal, one of the five business books that need to be, you know, people need to read. Scaling up, Gino works with Vern, builds traction. People love traction, gets really, really excited about traction. And then Pinnacle is just kind of like the next iteration of traction. These are people that have, this is a generation after traction. So these are consultants. These are top, top, top mind people that have kind of like not graduated from the traction school, but in one sense, like they were all, they all love traction. They were all in traction. And then they built a system, another iteration that has kind of organically evolved from traction. Um, so like from, the ex- from like the execution standpoint, was there, was there certain things that just applied to you better? And if so, like, do you remember a couple of them? Yeah, really it was this. Um, it was that first we tried traction on our own, right? We tried to implement it on our own without any outside right. help. Just hard. Very hard, like, right? We were not, it was another place where we were going to fail miserably in front of the company. So we realized that we were reaching out to these implementers, um, right? You know, you're finding someone to hire these engineers, right? I just can't do it on my own anymore. I was not, we were not going to be able to roll this out to our company successfully. There's too many moving parts. And so reached out to this guy. He's like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Pinnacle, uh, you know, in which I was a traction coach. Yep. Now Pinnacle. And what would appeal to us, what kind of like, I was very kind of hesitant. I was like, all right, I've read like four of the traction books, like what's EOS and traction and, you know, uh, you know, basically all of them <laughs> just to kind of wrap my head around it. And he's like, well, one of the differences is uh, I switched because into um, kind of one way he describes it is kind of like a, an open or a customized system where open source, open source, where traction, you know, it is, you got, you got like the very hard bumper rails and what's in the traction world. You've got like the five, five, five and the, you know, the people analyzer. you have these tools, right? It's the toolbox. And there's like 21 of them or something like that. But that's it. Like in terms of my understanding, I could be wrong, but in my understanding, like, you know, um, you know, true, pure traction is like, okay, you use the traction tools and that's it. 
Whereas in Pinnacle, they have very similar tools because they modeled a lot, just like from the whole like EO, Vern Harnish to Geno Traction to, I don't know who the person is that made track or the made Pinnacle, but they, they, they model after the other ones. And so, but at the same time, they're also pulling, they're pulling tools they're pulling ideas from, from other sources. So, so the, the toolbox is much larger and it is, okay, here's this company in this state. Uh, their focus is on people issues or their focus is on like performance and playbooks. So now we're going to bring in these additional tools to kind of really kind of cater to them, to kind of, kind of customize to what this company needs versus look, you got these four people tools and that's it. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's fit you to this box rather than let's pull this from like the Harvard business review or like, let's pull this tool from, you know, a checklist manifesto or whatever, whatever, whatever. Love that book. Checklist manifesto is awesome. Uh, so, so that's what it was. All right. It was, it was kind of like what, what really drew us to that was basically it's, it's an open system that we can like more things can be added to it, you know, on an, on an as needed basis. Oh, it's a cash flow problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, guess what? They have a tool on cash flow. I mean, you know, they profit first is a part of the, the, the pinnacle world. That's a good, that's a good example. Like, you can get help with all parts of your business. It's not just like a strategy resource. We roll in, we're, we're saying, oh, we like this profit first guy. Um, they were, they were able to help us like get trained up and help us better execute that. So it was, I, I think what's really, I think what's really cool. So we right now are running traction religiously. Um, it's a good Blackberry. It's doing a good job in keeping us on the rails. Like we're, we're, we're liking it, but you guys are very open to learning and continuous education and coaching and consulting. And like, that's a, a, it's, it's a very big investment, right? Like first and foremost, it's not cheap. Is that something the two of you have agreed upon that like, Hey, if we're going to do this, we need to have trainers around us and a support system and we need to pay for coaches. Is that something like your dad told you? Like, what light bulb went off? Because I feel like some people are like, I'm just going to do it myself. I don't need any help. But like you guys seem very open to it. What what changed? What decision did you guys make to get to that point? Has that always been how you are? I, I think we just realized that, you know, we we were probably on, just honest with what, with our capabilities. So I, we had these conversations, um, you know, our father, not experienced with consultants, um, but he was always a big fan of like going to Long Beach and going to ISS shows and getting training. And so he at least like planted the seed of, you can look outside of yourself, get, get industry knowledge from the experts. And I think, um, so Will and I started having that appreciation. First step was working with Mark Coudre. Who, who like great intro to consulting. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we just had the honest conversation of, okay, we are not going to be able to carry the business any further or keep it going in a safe way unless we, or, or rather the likelihood is, um, you know, small or greatly diminished compared to if you get a trainer, if you get a coach and somebody that you can um, learn from. So I think it was actually just more out of like, not desperation, but you know, exhaustion, right. Or, or, I, or, or just like the brutal reality of like, I, he doesn't have, he just because he's here and just because I'm here, doesn't make us geniuses, right? Like we stepped in a second generation. We did not build this up. Like our experience started much later than a lot of these people that are working for us and much later than the industry. So we weren't going to win the award because I knew how to screenplay better than anybody. It was, um, 
either get that help or you're just satisfied with like, okay, you're going to be a local shop that kind of grows with your local economy. Um, I always, I always joke that like, what if our industry was run by a bunch of like Harvard, Harvard business school guys? They do way better. Maybe. Maybe that too. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think you know, everything <laughs> would be a lot more expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was best chance for success. Like, right. Like we had to, as Jackson just said, we kind of had to recognize like, you know, are we going to hold ourselves? Like, you know, know thyself, right? Like it is not pretty. Like I, I, I was telling Jackson's like, Oh, this is anxiety. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when we were driving to our quarterly rock meeting with our guy, with our coach, right? And I was getting ready to say on like this many rocks, no, I didn't do this. No, no. You know, and like, thankfully, like the other two people on the leadership team, like helped give us like, you know, an average of a C for the, like the, the quarter. But if it had been me, I mean, it would have been like, you know, a failing grade. So there is that, there is accountability there too. Yeah. I mean, it's a full time, it's almost, you know, it's similar to a full time employee, right? <laughs> that um, you know, that, that, that consulting type, but, but the expertise they bring a sounding board, um, someone who is good at business, but out of our business, you know, more, more industry agnostic. Um, those are really benefits to help us manage, manage, manage our company. So yeah. almost as like stewards, right? Like what's the best thing we can do? Well, the best thing we can do probably for our company for this company that we've been put in charge of is to like help improve it by using experts. Cause we are not, yeah, right. As Jackson said, we're liberal. It's good self-reflection. I mean, yeah. you know, everyone gives the millennial generation shit. Look, like we ask for help and we hire help and we like, we bring it in. And I think, you know, like when I wanted to bring consultants in, my business partner's like, Hey, you know, we don't, we, they're going to come in and tell us what we need to do. Like we, we know what we need to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. Isn't that the typical, like, you know, the, yeah, I mean, we got the okay from our dad, right? But he was only because, like, he was out of the business, right? Like, if we had asked him to, like, you know, if he was, like, the answer would have been no, like, 10 years ago. Like, yeah, like, you're paying what? Yeah, <laughs> like, correct. Look, look what you could do that. for that. Yeah. Uh, but then when we think about it, like, you know, Matt Marcotte helps us on our production floor, Ryan Kasperian, right? Mark Kudre, like, you know, Kevin Baumgart, Traction Professionals, Profit First Professionals, like, those are some big inflection points. Um, and you guys are, you know, uh, you guys are growing at a pretty big clip. Like it's not like you're running a small, small thing. What's next for you guys? Do you guys enjoy, like, are you guys there five days a week? Do you guys like not going into work? Like what's your kind of, yeah. What is, what is the, what's on the horizon? Yeah. Great question. We had, we were just meeting a coffee shop about that on Tuesday. Yep. Um, Try, you know, I think the goal is honestly with with where where we have been leading in uh, in in through Pinnacle of identifying, you know, uh, annual our annuals and our milestone goals, you know, three to five years, and kind of basically we've been at this now for about two years in the in the Pinnacle world of, and so now we're kind of starting to have a much better idea of where the business is going, how we're going to get there. I.e., yeah, we're going to pay for that. We're going to pay for that sales system to help integrate in making those types of decisions. Now the, the, the next, not hard set of questions, but, um, but big set of questions is right. What do we see our roles in? Right. I mean, I'm an integrator, like integrator and operation every day of the week. I'm supposed I'm, I, I work from home like one day a week, but every other time I'm supposed to like part, part of, you know, daily operations, Jackson sits in the visionary seat in sales. So we're like in it all the time. And so the conversation we had on 
Tuesday was like, okay, well, you know, what does, what do we look like three to five years from now? Cause again, we're not the people to be coaching Blue Ridge graphics forward. Like that's, you know, and we might not be the people to like jump to the next level on, on the day-to-day operations. Like we have, we have employees who ask the right questions at the right time in a much kind of a more calm headed uh, manner than either one of us on a regular basis. And so we have, we've got good staff, we've got good support. It's now how do we kind of continue that structure to put us more in those visionary roles of, okay, we know what we want. How are we going to help the whole company get there versus, you know, being the ones like operating every single lever. Yeah. Get the right, getting the right people and back to yeah. the people. I, th- um, I think it'd be right, cool. man. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it'd be cool to check lot, in. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be cool to check in. Like, it's just really cool to hear you guys are like working on the business and you're very like, Oh, you guys, I feel like you guys are very self-aware. Like there's a, there's a sense of self-awareness um, and you're like looking past your biases and like being real with yourselves and stuff like that. So I give you guys a lot of kudos and being able to be related and come to work every day. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're we're so, super lucky there. Super fortunate. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, after this, you guys can hug, hug it out if you want. Like, you know, oh, they're going to turn yeah, the cameras off now. Yeah, right. You can, you can, you can hug it out or uh, play the Step Brothers song. Um, <laughs> but uh, cool. This is awesome. Uh, yeah. I really, really well, appreciate Jackson, this conversation. Thanks so much for being able to join us. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. Glad you're feeling better as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, hopefully we 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 see y'all in Long Beach. We're print hustlers. We'd love to love to make the connection. And, I almost uh, made it to print hustlers. That's like October, right? Uh, uh, November, it's November, November, and it's in California, which I know is a long flight, yeah. but it's going to be awesome. So November fourth, fifth, there. six. Cool, sweet. Glad to see y'all there. Will's got a baby coming. Around. All right, y'all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, early congrats. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I also, I was actually, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to this thing. I want to go see what it's about. Um, but right, yes, baby comes first. Hey, pronouncers, thank you so much for listening to another episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully that was informative. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to hit the bell for notifications if you enjoyed this video. If you enjoy all the stuff we're putting out, it's really helpful. We love to just be able to see it. That means that we're doing a good job. To subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, and hit the like button. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.